Well, the election is Tuesday, and voters in Reading will be picking a mayor. And the lease for a mid-state golf course that's located in a state forest isn't being renewed. Welcome to The Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Wednesday, November 1st, the first day of the new month, and this is being recorded at 9.18 a.m. I'm your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories together. So let's get started in Franklin County. Since 1968, members of the South Mountain Golf Course have been playing the game on 47 acres of Michaud State Forest. My colleague Ben Wasserstein reports that time, though, is coming to an end. The Department of Conservation and Natural Resources is not renewing its lease of the South Mountain Golf Course. DCNR spokesperson Christina Novak says the agency wants to increase recreation and accessibility to the state forest. Will uh, you know no longer be used as a, a member's golf course but will be available to all recreational users in the state forest system. The course will be used to accommodate a new welcome center to educate visitors on the history of the land. It will also provide a better habitat for wildlife. Controversy ensued after the announcement that the lease would not be renewed, prompting a town hall meeting. Now, a worker at the course, Barb Fox, says there was an agreement the public would be able to express concerns before a final decision was made. Novak, however, says the meeting was to explain the decision and what would happen to the property. While voters in the city of Reading will elect a mayor in Tuesday's election, the candidates are incumbent Democrat Eddie Moran and Republican Joseph Jose Nunez, who's a realtor. My colleague Gabriela Martinez reports the race will determine who leads the fourth largest city in the state, which is also more than half Latino. In 2019, the city elected its first Latino mayor, Eddie Moran. Moran defeated his Republican opponent, Lou Perugini, by nearly 5,000 votes. His first year and a half in office were dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic, managing the public health crisis and dealing with the economic fallout of businesses shutting down. Because of this, he says, he's been able to fully engage in office for only two years. Yet we have a fund balance of $42 million, the healthiest we've ever been in years. There's still work to be done. I planted a lot of seeds. But the work is not done. He touts some of the projects he was able to get done, such as a $10 million program for paving and street improvement, and helping to secure $3.3 million to help remove lead paint from homes. Republican challenger Joseph Jose Nunez is a 38-year-old Berks County recorder and realtor running on easing parking restrictions in the city and stimulating business. He is also trying to appeal to conservative Latino voters with an emphasis on faith and family. Nunez is also running on the promise to eliminate red tape and regulations for people trying to open businesses or remodel their homes. The Latino community is still being treated like the second cousin instead of the citizen that is in the city that wants to make it a more thriving and more equitable place to live. Another housing-related issue on voters' minds, the cost of rent. This is Anthony Osuna, a resident of Reading who attended a fundraiser for Eddie Morang. He says he's worried about how housing in the city is getting more expensive, but wages are staying the same. Gabriela Martinez, WITF News.
in Reading. Now let's turn to the state legislature, where the House has passed three bills seeking to expand and strengthen Pennsylvania's anti-hate crime statutes. The measures were approved with backing from the chamber's Democratic majority and a handful of Republicans. The legislation comes amid concerns about a spike in hate crimes around the country during the ongoing Israel-Hamas war. Now, one would change the Commonwealth's ethnic intimidation statute to a hate-based intimidation law and extend its protections. The others seek to bolster how law enforcement investigates hate crimes and expand online and anonymous reporting options for higher education institutions in dealing with hate crimes involving students and employees. And four of the state's top universities are a step closer to receiving subsidies from the Commonwealth. The House has passed its annual appropriations, setting the condition that the schools freeze tuition next year. The House voted 145 to 57 to send the universities a total of about $643 million. It now heads to the Senate, where senators are back in session in about two weeks. Funding for the University of Pittsburgh and Penn State, as well as Temple and Lincoln universities, has been snarled for months in partisan legislative wrangling over issues like fetal tissue research and public disclosure of school records. And now, a correction. During the Morning Agenda's October 18th episode, we erroneously reported on the partisan makeup of those who have used Pennsylvania's new automatic voter registration system since it came online more than a month ago. The numbers used in that article referred to voters who registered using all methods, not just AVR. WITF and the Morning Agenda regret the error. All right, let's delve into what I found this morning when I went through about a dozen news sites across central Pennsylvania. And as I do every morning, I'm always looking for stories to put on your radar just in case they cover issues that may impact you or community in the future. So here's what you need to know. Some two weeks after inadvertently sending out 400 duplicate mail-in ballots, York County has been receiving other mail-in ballots as normal. The York Dispatch reports the county elections director says people are destroying their duplicate ballots on their own, which is an option that was given to them. The other option was to return it to the elections office. As of Monday, the county has received more than 15,000 of the 29,000 mail-in ballots sent out. Two weeks ago, the county said it had accidentally mailed duplicate ballots due to a clerical error to 400 voters. Among the other counties that have had different issues with mail-in ballots this year are Montour, Mifflin, and Cameron. And according to Lancaster County spokesman Michael Fitzpatrick, the county made an error when replacing its secrecy envelopes. A Lebanon County community is mourning the death of its police chief. The Lebanon Daily News reports Anvil Township Police Chief Bernard Dugan passed away on Thursday, October 26th. He had been diagnosed with cancer in late July. Dugan served as the chief of police for Anvil Township for 11 years and had previously worked for Fairview Township Police Department in York County for more than 30 years. Now, two services will be offered. One will be held on Friday at Parthamore Funeral Home in New Cumberland. A second will be held on Saturday at the St. Paul the Apostle Church in Anvil. All right, it's time to turn to another deep dive on how you can help limit the effects of climate change. The story originated from a question from listeners like you who wanted to know what can one person do about it? 
So let's focus today on the way we use land. It's used for things like farming and building homes with lawns and is responsible for a big chunk of greenhouse gas emissions as well. Now, wasting resources from the land, like food it produces, also has a big impact. So in the second of a three-part series on what you can do about climate change, my colleague Rachel McDevitt brings you tips for cutting emissions from your food and your yard. What we eat contributes to the emissions we generate. Plant-based or plant-rich diets have lower impacts on warming than diets heavy on meat and dairy. But what we don't eat also has a big effect. In fact, if food waste were a country on its own, it would be the third largest emitter globally. Jackie Suget works with ReFed, a nonprofit with a goal to end food waste. She says in the United States, 38% of food goes unsold or uneaten. If we were to look at an average household of four people in the U.S., we're looking at an average of over a thousand pounds per year of food that goes uneaten. It's an average spend of over two and a half thousand dollars. Food that ends up in a landfill doesn't break down right away. Cut off from oxygen, it produces methane, which has a much higher warming power than carbon dioxide. But there are things you can do. So Refed has what we call the food waste five, which are behaviors that anyone can do really any day within their own homes to be reducing food waste. One, plan out your meals for the week. Try to use the same ingredients in a couple of meals. Two, store your food properly. Learn to set the right humidity in your crisper drawers to keep produce fresh. Some vegetables stay fresher longer if stored in water like a flower in a vase. Three, use your freezer. Zuget calls this your food's magic pause button, keeping food usable for much longer than storing in the fridge. Four, learn what best buy dates really mean. These are meant to give an idea of quality, not safety, and are often arbitrary. There are a few exceptions, like for infant formula. We really recommend people using their five senses to indicate whether or not that food should be eaten. The reality is it's going to smell bad, it's going to taste bad, or it's going to look bad long before it's actually going to make you sick. And five, bring together what you didn't eat throughout the week and have a leftover night. If you do end up with spoiled food, the next best option is to compost it. If you have a yard, all you need is a small space to put food scraps and yard waste. Over time, it breaks down into rich soil. Rain is pounding the compost pile at the Bridge Eco Village in Harrisburg. Bright orange melon rinds and green lettuce leaves cover one side of the large wooden container. The other side is dark compost, ready to be spread on the gardens. Bridge CEO Gary Gilliam says composting is just one of the lessons they offer to help people be more sustainable and self-sufficient. We are striving to not just be net zero, but net positive with our water consumption, our energy consumption, um, and even with our waste. Research into agriculture emissions shows that gardens can play a role in creating a food system that's more resilient, less wasteful, and better for the climate. So last year, we would have produced 5,000 pounds of produce and donate that out to the community. If you don't have space for a vegetable garden, but still want to grow something, try native plants. You can start as small as a couple of containers on your front stoop or balcony. So in this part of the meadow, it's hard to see, but we have a lot of native grasses. We Jane Alice started the Bower in Perry County to show people the potential of native plants. If you have young kids or you have a dog, um, you're going to need some lawn for them to play in. But do you really use all of it? And you can just sort of um, trim away at it, take a few feet a, a year uh, out of that. 
Native flowers and trees like black-eyed Susans and redbuds evolved in our area and support native insects, birds, and animals that could be squeezed by the changing climate and habitat. Natives may also have deeper roots, allowing them to take in and store more carbon from the atmosphere and be resilient to droughts and floods. Once established, native plants don't need as much maintenance, cutting down on synthetic fertilizer and pesticide use, and mowing. Gas-powered yard equipment is responsible for about five percent of the country's emissions. What they say about native plants is that the first year they sleep, the second year they creep, and the third year they leap. All the plants are able to、um, do well on their own without us having to water them or baby them. Alice says they cut the grasses in their meadow only once a year with an electric mower. Rachel McDevitt, State Impact, Pennsylvania. And just want to note once again that this story resulted from WITF's community engagement reporting. Always want to mention as well that the morning agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcast and on WITF's YouTube channel. All right, let's hear your song of the day right now. Let me know about it on Twitter or Blue Sky. Either one, you can find me at T Lambert eight nine five. You can also email me your song of the day. Tim underscore Lambert at wytf dot org, and you can check out our brand new Spotify playlist for the month. It's the Morning Agenda Song of the Day, November twenty twenty three, and the very first song for November is the Pixies. Where is my mind? And that does it for the Morning Agenda, a daily news podcast from WITF, where the only agenda is you. I'm your host Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. Be well. Enjoy the rest of this day. We'll talk again tomorrow.